0: The only purpose of the Talking Space podcast is to educate and to inform. The views expressed in this program are the opinions, experiences, and conclusions of the guests. They do not represent the official policy or position of the Space Tweep Society as a whole, NASA, any other space agency, company, contractor, or
1: affiliate. We
2: choose the Two, one on the good That's one small step for man. one giant leap.
0: Once again, everybody, to the Talking Space Podcast. I am Sawyer Rosenstein, and joining me are Gene McCulloch. Welcome, Gene.
1: Uh, thank you, Sawyer. Good evening.
0: Good evening, and good evening to you as well, Gina Herlihy. Good evening, Sawyer. And good evening to you as well, Mark Ratterman.
3: From windy North Florida, howdy doody.
0: From rainy New Jersey, doing goody. Thank you.
3: Yeah, we sent it your way, so enjoy.
0: Thanks, we are very appreciative.
1: We are, Mark, we are, Oh boy?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, whether we're talking about weather or space, I'm sorry, I had to do that. So let's get to talking about space. Today's episode is pretty much the good, the bad, and the ugly, because of the topics that we are about to talk of today. So let's start off right away with the good, because I feel in a good mood today. The first is that there is an airport down in Florida called Cecil Field, which just recently got its rights from the FAA, the Federal Aviation Administration, to officially become a spaceport. So now what they're saying is Cecil Field will be able to support both horizontal launches by reusable vehicles and other things that would take off like planes and basically launch suborbital flights over the Atlantic Ocean. So, how much action do you think they're actually going to get over there? Because I know already that uh, Virgin Galactic has their site pre-built over in New Mexico.
3: You would kind of expect them to continue the, uh, the direction they've started. But, uh, you know, the fact that there's a second player in the field uh, kind of opens it up as to, you know, a belief that this is really going to happen.
1: One word, Competition. Uh, I think, too, that it opens up the door for others, not just Virgin Galactic, to come in and, and start doing this. It also means that the suborbital tourism industry is really being taken seriously. And uh, uh, that also means that uh, you know, it will, will become a little bit bigger, hopefully, and as time goes on, maybe the cost will go down, and who knows? We will probably, might even see these guys go orbital, which is what I'm waiting for. So uh, this is this is dynamite news all the way all the way around the board. I think more
3: competition the better. And something to consider too. Jacksonville is an international airport, and they're a short hop from Orlando, which is a major gateway to overseas traffic. And uh, you know, certainly there's going to be business come from overseas, just like there is in tourism in Florida.
1: Yeah, agreed. Uh, I think uh, uh, once more, it's going to open up uh, the uh, field wide open. Um, you know, if if indeed somebody else comes over and signs up and says, okay, we can launch uh, suborbital flights from here, um, it may also say that Virgin Galactic may come over here too. Uh, but it also may may say that there will be other players in this industry as well, and these other players may come to Cecil Field field and and. Uh, and also have their operations there, um, which also means that if if you take a look at uh, uh, the world, you know, as Mark you said, you take a look at Orlando, you're going to have people from all over the, the world coming from there because everybody is coming going over to the Disney World, and what have you. But if also they will be going to Cecil Field to to have their suborbital orbital flights. So, you know, I, I don't know if there's a international airport in New Mexico or not, but I think that means is going to get some more
3: business. You know, they're not far from the Cape and from the Cape Canaveral Air Force Station, which, you know, controls that, uh, that launch area. And so, you know, they're close to the people that are used to doing that kind of business for clearing, uh, you know, high-performance, high-altitude traffic. And um, just if anybody, uh, for instance, C.M. Floyd, if he happens to be listening to this uh, and wants to have a flight plan. Uh, Cecil Field's identifier is VQQ. That's Victor Quebec Quebec, and uh, I'm sure he'll like to put in his log book that uh, perhaps he did a uh, touch and go at Florida's first commercial open to the public spaceport.
1: That would be kind of cool, actually, to have that in your flight book log. There,
0: <laughs> that would really be cool. <laughs> Couldn't resist. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I know that that is great, but I think this just goes to show that space is changing it's no longer the government program this just goes to show that companies are trying there's been all these plans these designs companies are trying to privatize space they've said that but i think this takes it to a whole nother level that in the united states uh virgin galactic built their own but now there is one officially faa licensed basically public spaceport and so i just think it goes to show that as the space shuttle program is ending that space now has the opportunity to become way more privatized and to become something that's more common, almost like air travel in a way.
1: Yeah, but I think we're 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 far from that point. In all honesty.
0: Oh, I agree um, with you completely on that.
1: <laughs> yeah, we we are we are, it, but indeed the, the seeds are being sown for spaceflight to become commonplace. It's, it's got to start somewhere, um, and indeed I think uh, it's a good idea to have uh, the private companies start. Getting into the game and and doing some things that uh, they can do Uh, you know like again spacex with falcon 9 and uh, And the dragon I think that's a grand idea to go ahead and 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 pursue Uh, But I still say that government um, Is very good at uh, doing the large things like like you know long-term exploration and uh, I don't think um, the private um, end of things is going to do long-term exploration. Uh, quite frankly, there's no money in it, right? Exactly. You know, there's the promise of something they could exploit, but um, there is no solid money in in that. I mean, nobody does research for research's sake anymore, and except for the government, uh, they they that's that's their role. Um, so you know, they, again, uh, there's got to be both going on. At the same time, both have to be either partners, or um, both programs have to have to continue on on their their steady the steady state. So,
0: and somebody said, I'm reading an article here on FloridaToday.com. Uh, there's one person that made a comment underneath it, and I love how they said it. This is great, great for innovation, careers, jobs, economy, vacation, something new to do, and there will be history in the making. Quote unquote. Yeah, I mean
1: exactly, and this this is really really opening up up a lot, and uh, it it will open up jobs, it will open up things for the economy locally, especially if uh, if, if this goes up, goes the way we all hope it it goes. So um, we're going to be watching this very close.
0: righty then. So if we have no more comments here, I think we can move along to one more good while we're here, and that is that there was recently a meeting of the Aerospace Safety Advisory Panel. They released their annual report, and they made some very interesting comments in it of what they believe the future should be. And it was a report summarizing key safety-related issues that the agency is confronting at this time, and most importantly refers to the nation's human spaceflight program. Now, some of their main safety findings included no manufacturer of commercial orbital transportation services is qualified for human rating requirements. And two other things that were shocking was that basically they said that abandoning Constellation as it is, is unwise and probably not cost-effective, and that extending the shuttle program beyond the current manifest would be ill-advised. Now, I must say that uh, there was a very interesting comment from NASA Administrator Charles Bolden, and what he said was, quote, "...American citizens can handle difficult issues." So NASA should quit treating them as if they are children who do not understand, instead bringing them in as partners. And all I can say to his comment there is, wow, finally, thank you.
1: Uh, yeah, if if, if, if uh, Charlie Walden is able to pull that off, I think it's going to put NASA in a far better light than it is now. I think part of the, the problem that NASA has currently... Is that the American people think it's something distant that it doesn't belong to them that they're not part of it, and it's the exact opposite. Uh, the space pro- program belongs to everybody in this nation. They fund it, and they really, really m- need to, you know, be felt. You know, they really need to m- be made to feel like they're partners in this, and not just sort of distant investors that are just detached from this whole thing. And if if uh, Charles Bolden is able to pull that off and make the American people feel as though that you know NASA belongs to them, that is going to be you know a real critical turning point, and I think you're going to see support for the space agency start you know start improving.
2: I don't think Charlie Bolden's the only one that gets it as another example, and maybe he's not out there in the public enough is Neil Armstrong, who will never use. Himself or the first person when he talks about Apollo 11. He never says I, he never says me. He talks about 400,000 people that put the Apollo program together. And, you know, talk about a partnership with the American people. Apollo certainly was. Maybe the space shuttle program wasn't like that, but to get back to the moon, we're going to need an army of 400,000 people to make all the widgets for every single part we're going to need to do that. And you know, like maybe that's the PR that needs to come out of NASA, the jobs. You know, we're in a recession. This this could help turn up this around. I mean, there's a lot of value there, and I think a lot of Americans may see that, certainly middle-aged ones that remember going to the moon in the 60s.
1: Or those of us who were about four or five years old, huddled around their television at, like, 1030 when they should have been sleeping. But, uh, uh, yeah Gina, I, I agree with you wholeheartedly on the on, uh, on uh, Mr. Armstrong there. You never hear him say I or me or anything like that. And that kind of, that's kind of refreshing. Um, you, you always see somebody trying to take credit for stuff, but he, 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 always thought along the lines that this was a team and he just felt he was just, you know, the tip of the spear and just lucky enough to have drawn the card he drew, um, to talk about a couple of the other points, however, that the, the that the report made, um, I thought it was very interesting that it, it basically said to, to, quoting it, to to abandon the program of record as a baseline for an alternative without demonstrated capability or proven superiority is unwise and probably not cost effective, close quote. Um, I, I think they're saying, look, there, there are no alternatives in the pipeline right now. And um, if we go down this path without those, those alternatives sitting in the pipeline, You know, it's just going to go ahead and exacerbate the situation. We're not going to we're going to be on the ground longer than the projected seven years if we go ahead and deviate from the path that we're on now. And I, you know, with all due respect, I have to agree with that. I mean, we've already got the Ares infrastructure being built. When I was down there for the sts 129 tweet up, there was the the tower that was being constructed for Ares one. It was right in front of us. So, you know, to to go ahead and and, and say that, you know, to just go off on another tangent, I think is going to cost more. First off, it's going to cost more money. And secondly, it's going to keep us on the ground a heck of a lot longer than we really need to.
0: I agree. Don't throw out the bathwater if you don't have more to refill the tub, basically.
1: Exactly. Exactly. And uh,
0: um, one of the other
1: things it mentioned too, I think, uh, no manufacturer of orbital commercial of commercial orbital transportation services is currently qualified for human rating requirements. And I think they're referring to um, not just the Deltas and the Atlases, but I think they're referring to the Falcons and. All of that, like it or not, the, the, the Falcon 9 booster is not yet man-rated, it's going to take a while for it to do so. Ditto with the Atlas, and ditto with the Delta. They are not yet man-rated, and um, <clears throat> uh, if memory serves, uh, Gene Kranz had said that uh, it was an absolute bear to go ahead and man-rate the Titan 2, because um, he was part of the team that was that was doing that. And uh, he said it's probably unwise to go ahead and ex- expect the Delta and, and the Atlas to go ahead and go that route. It, uh, you know, and I I would have to agree with him there. I mean, if, it may be more more trouble than it's worth to
0: try to man rate these things. I think you're probably right. I mean, they've already they're already built and proven to work. That's true, but they're proven to work with payloads and other things, not human payloads. And at this point, if we have something designed. For human payloads that's brand new that's in the works already that's halfway there why do something halfway I was going to say something else but this is a family rated podcast but uh, why stop in the middle why not complete it the entire way if you've devoted yourself to doing something basically since 2004 why quit in 2010 now remember we said this is an episode of the good the bad and the ugly that's the good now on to the bad There was a recently released poll that was taken by Rasmussen Reports, and in it they stated that only 40% of people that they surveyed in a phone survey believe that the space shuttle has been worth the cost, according to taxpayers. As many as 36% disagree and say the program has not been worth the expense, and 24% state they are not sure. Now, support is down 12 points from last May, though when 76% said it was important for the U.S. to have a manned spaceflight program. And that has held steady from a survey two years ago. And 50% of Americans now say that the U.S. should cut back on exploration, which is amazing. Yet, at the same time, they're saying that 31% of people say that a research program with unmanned spaceships is not important at all. Lots of confusing numbers here, but all of them basically point to say... Yeah, Space Shuttle, NASA, plus public, equals no interest. A- agree? Disagree? Shocked? Not shocked?
2: Yes, I'm not shocked. The, people, the question isn't interest here. The question is, it worth the cost? cost is high, but worth it. Okay, so what value is Joe Schmoe getting, who doesn't have a job right now in the 2009-2010 recession? you're probably not seeing a lot of the value out of it. Again, who's to blame there? I don't know, is it the media? Is it NASA for not screaming from the rooftops about all of their accomplishments? Or maybe that is where people don't care if that information's out there. Maybe people just sort of tune out. But, you know, I I think right now in this economy, it's really hard to find value in things that don't impact how you're gonna pay your bill every month, you know, for your home or feed your family. I guess I'm not surprised at this time that this would be poll findings for a question like
1: that. I don't know. I think there's a bunch of people running around Cape Canaveral, about maybe you know, 7,000 of them that are running around Cape Canaveral that are, that are thinking, gee, how am I going to feed my family? Um, not just over at Cape Canaveral, but I think there's, there's folks over in the uh, 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 Texas sure. area, over in the Clear Lake area, thinking the same thing. Uh, how am I going to go ahead and feed my family? Um, so it it kind of goes hand in hand with that. I mean, this it, basically we haven't spent a dime in space. That's the bottom line. It's all spent down here, in in jobs, in technologies, in um, in sciences. Um, I mean, NASA's always had a hard time trying to toot its own horn, and I can't figure out as to why. If they we can just lick that problem. Um, I think people would see the value of what they're getting uh, for their money, and uh, all they have to really—if if anybody's really interested—just take a look at the NASA spinoffs page, and that'll really, really tell you, um, you know, what's what's what they're doing, and what kind of bang you're getting for your buck as far as you know residual sciences and residual technologies that are being spun off as a result of, of uh, research being done for space exploration. Um, I think the to say that we should cut back, I think is foolish. Um, at this point, and they're saying, you know, I, I, once again, I think there's a disconnect between the public and, and space travel, and how important it really is to to the quality of life back here on Earth. When uh, when
3: I get a phone call and I answer, and I can hear that it's a call center and that there's that hubbub of noise in the background, I count to five. I go one, two, three, four, five click and hang up because if there's not a real person on the phone in that amount of time sorry not interested i ain't gonna waste my time but i've heard the statement and i certainly do not know statistics and analysis and things of this nature but that a poll can be set up to give you any results that you want so who commissioned this poll who what's the driving force behind it and what's their twist on it and that's probably the the you know, the mediocre spin that it has. I think you could easily take and make a poll that would cast NASA in a positive light and give, you know, the administration and, uh, and, and the industry, you know, a little ammunition.
1: Yeah, I, I agree with you, Mark. I mean, I, I, from what I remember again from my old, my old poly sci days, uh, you can construct a poll to give you exactly the result you want to get. Uh, I mean, we've done it <laughs> as a class experiment, and uh, I would love to to know exactly how the polls' questions went on this, and and it, were they were they out looking for a specific uh, result, or were they indeed trying to be objective? And I mean, I, I, again, I, that that's that, that's only something that the Rasmussen folks can answer to, and but you bring up a definite good point.
0: All I know is I'm not liking the numbers of the results yeah. that they did get.
1: Yeah, and that's got to change. I think think people have to realize that we are the, these are actually bread and butter issues for the for the people at you know Kennedy Space Center and, and contractors like you know contractors like Boeing, United Space Alliance, and so on. And I think the they're estimating, and this is just a rough estimate. Seven thousand altogether over at uh, K over at KSC. Mark, you're you're more closer to this than I am. Um, if if and somebody please correct me, is that correct? Um, we're looking at that the loss of about seven thousand jobs on, on the Space Coast at this point.
3: Well, yeah, and and related to that, uh, I think impact of uh, more in the neighborhood of twenty thousand overall in the community. And by the way, I just found some information on the Resmussen reports where. This was a July poll on the same same topic. They did a telephone survey of a thousand adults.
1: Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That, that's that's what you know. What most pollsters go for. Yeah. It's either a thousand or two thousand. Yeah. And I'm thinking too. You know, there are other economic impacts in that area, um, and not just over at uh, over at KSC. You know, over the Johnson Space Flight Center as well. There's going to be the similar impacts, and it's not just going to be. The individuals that are working at the center. It's going to be people, you know, in businesses around the center that are being are going to be impacted. You're going to have delicatessens, you know, out of it because they're just aren't they're just not going to have the clientele they had. Um, you know, little eateries and things like that. There's going to be a major league input impact there because again, there are not the employees coming over for lunch or, or coming over there for dinner um so you know again these are <laughs> these are issues you've got to look at when it comes to stuff like that so i i think we're being extraordinarily short-sighted as far as um as far as the, the long-range impact of all
0: of this so what do you guys think do you like these poll results you disagree with them what's your opinion on it we want to hear your take you can send it to us there are a couple of ways send it to our email address Talking space online at gmail.com, send it to our Twitter account, twitter.com slash talkingspace, or post it on our brand new Facebook page, which you can look us up as Talking Space. Let's have some more bad news. Sawyer, what you got? All right. Now, unfortunately, Mark, here comes more bad news that you asked for. Yeah, this is, this is more of an ugly incident than bad. Um, I, I forgot to mention, by the way, this is not bad. This is the ugly part. And that includes something that was printed by Popular Science, CNN, UK's Daily Telegraph, Sky News, Florida Today, Space Ref, and the Associated Press, which the Associated Press's article was reprinted by 290 other newspapers and websites. So this is obviously bad news if you have over 290 newspapers and websites looking at this. And that was that inside the Orbiter Processing Facility, Hangar number 3, OPF-3, which houses OV-103, better known as the Space Shuttle Discovery, outside one of its bathrooms, a small bag was discovered. Inside that small bag was discovered to be cocaine. So inside the housing of Space Shuttle Discovery, outside one of the bathrooms, was a bag of cocaine. They do not know exactly which employee it came from, but they are now testing all of the 200 employees which had access to that building. So, I never thought I would be mentioning cocaine and space shuttle in the same sentence.
1: Yeah, this, this is the ugly part. Unfortunately, um, I, this is, they, they do have a zero tolerance policy over there. And um, I believe it was uh, one of the PAOs over there, Allard uh, Butel, I believe his name is, that uh, basically saying that this is is a zero – we do have a zero-tolerance policy in place, and we're going to find out what's going on. Um, The sad part about this is it it just goes to show that NASA is human. Uh, This type of thing happens in um, businesses all over the place, all over this country, just about every day where it's been discovered that somebody is 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 abusing you know some sort of substance the uh uh i mean they do have a zero nasa does have a zero tolerance policy that individual probably will be tracked down and the proper action will be taken and uh it forces the question what should be done with this individual once once he or she is is isolated and admittedly um i believe it was uh, the uh, the center director uh Former astronaut Bob Cabana indicated that saying this is a rare and isolated incident, I'm disappointed it happened, but it should not detract us from the outstanding work that's being done by a dedicated team on on a daily basis, close quote. Um, He's absolutely correct. One bad apple should not spoil the whole bunch. Um, um, Should that bird now be isolated and systems checked to make sure that uh, that uh, she's operational and uh, and things are, are are running. And also, should it um, should we go ahead and do other things within the OPF itself? Um, it, it's kind of scary too. I mean, if, if you can sneak in cocaine, what else can you sneak in? You know. So.
0: Right. Although, according to the article printed by the Associated Press, uh, Albert Butel, who you were mentioning, he stated that there was uh, no problem with discovery or quote-unquote, nor is there any indication that any employees were under the influence while working in the facility. So basically it doesn't seem like there was any effect at all on Discovery and they figure they'll be able to discover uh, who exactly it was before Discovery's March mission and if there were any irregularities because of it.
1: It, But this begs the question too, what should be done with the individual once they're they're, uh, identified?
0: Again, he said they're being handed over to federal prosecutors, which I think it's the way to go, because if you could take a small bag of cocaine, a little plastic bag full of it, uh, right near a $3 billion machine, i definitely say that's more than just a little uh, misdemeanor charge. Well, isn't
2: possession of a narcotic a felony?
0: Depending so on the amount. If it's a small enough amount, it could be a misdemeanor. Do you know how much yeah, that's just it. I have
1: no idea of how, how much was was discovered was was in the bag initially. I have oh, no idea how
3: large one, the bag
0: was. One small bag is all I can tell.
3: Here's here's a comment. This was in the Orlando Sentinel's uh, blog. The right stuff. Uh, spokesman says the amount discovered was small. I understand it was residue.
2: So residue or a considerable amount. Either way, it's a narcotic on federal property. That's got to be big time felony. That the federal authorities should be involved in.
3: You know, I work for the FAA, and I've been subject to random uh, drug testing and alcohol testing in more recent years. And, um, you know, it's going to happen. I, I doubt if there's any place that, that there isn't a, a chance where somebody is, has gone through a workplace and a supposedly secure facility and not done what, you know, they're not as straight up as they should be, and that's unfortunate, but that's the world we live in. And yeah. as far as, uh, you know, my compassionate side, I have none. I think they should fire him. I think they should prosecute him, uh, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, hard and fast, get it over with, get him out. And consider, too, here that the, uh, the individual that found the stuff, that turned it in, that, uh, you know, rallied the troops, you know, that's part of the integrity of NASA. You know, and, and here's the emphasis on one thing, which is serious, but, uh, you know, what about the other 199? Uh, I don't know if it was 200 people that were tested, but it says roughly 200, I think, were given drug tests. You know, what about the uh, 200 minus one? And, of course, here's something else I wonder. How good is security at these facilities? Uh, you know, if you have to use a card to get in. Is there any tailgating? Is there anybody going through holds door for somebody that's got their hands full? Is there any of that that goes on to where they may not have, uh, you know, the person in the security system at that time to be able to give them that lead? So you know, I hope they catch the individual, and I hope it's over with quick. But who knows?
1: Sounds like to me there's going to be a lot of pain involved. Um. But, uh, Mark, as much as you know, the, the compassionate side is trying to come out, um, I have to agree with you there. The individual that did this should be, should be uh, uh, released from duty and uh, thrown into a compulsory treatment type thing. But, uh, yeah, get, get rid of the bad apple, get them out of there as quickly as possible, and let the 199 dazzling individuals that take care of these machines every day continue on with their work
2: you know it's upsetting because obviously you can imagine the worst case scenario with somebody under the influence adjusting a part of the spacecraft that you know could cause a fail during flight i mean that's obviously the worst case scenario but again in in the year and the world we live in what's more upsetting is that you know let's not make nasa the butt of late night show jokes. I mean, come on. I mean, we should have more pride in our space program than that. I mean, a couple years ago there was a report that astronauts were drunk when they were going, um, you know, right before launch. I mean, you know, NASA conclusively discovered that that was sort of hearsay and antidotal, and they did a big investigation and nothing came of it. But boy, you know, a lot of people had a lot of fun with that in the meantime at the expense of NASA and a lot of other people that worked damn hard to do their jobs in an excellent way. And
1: that's just unfair. Unfortunately, Gina, it started already. Um, and I was at the Kentucky Airport coming home from a from a business trip, and already it was it was beginning. I and mean, the weather what the weather guy over there was 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 doing his little little stick on that. And you know, I, I fired a tweet about it. I found it disgusting, quite frankly. I mean, you know, don't 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 take a horrible situation and make it worse. Um, and that's what this individual is doing and, you know, have a little bit more, essentially have a little bit more pride in the program. I'm sure if somebody at that radio station or television station, I'm sorry, had, uh, if if the shoe was on the other foot, I'm sure it would, there would be a lot more discretion involved.
2: That's what I mean. I mean, in some ways that's the crime here, you know, now NASA looks like a big joke. Oh, great. Everybody goes to work high and works on the space shuttle. I mean, that's just what's that's truly what's unfortunate.
0: All right, just as a note, uh, we are not high as we do this podcast either, and no cocaine residue can be found on our downloads. Just putting that out there. Oh, you are bad. I'm sorry, I had to. You I'm are just so as bad as the media, I know. Bad. So that's it for our good, the bad, and the ugly. Now, here's something that we're going to be able to do for the first time because of you guys. We actually had some of you send us some comments, and we are going to get to answer your comments and questions. The first one is, last week, we asked you, after we finished talking about the program, do you think that the Space Shuttle program will be able to finish all of its launches by December of 2010? And we had a response from somebody on Twitter by the Twitter name of Rackshot653. And they said, I don't think they'll launch all flights before December. But, they ask a question here, does it matter if it reduces the gap between the Shuttle and Constellation program? So, I would definitely say we answer Rackshot 653 question. Does it matter any about the gap that may be there between Shuttle and Constellation?
1: Well, the gap matters for sure, but does it matter if if the Shuttle program gets carried over to 20, in 2011 if if we don't finish our job in 2010? The answer is probably not. I don't think it matters all that much um, if if we don't close the program within 2010 uh, it just simply means that we're being careful and we're, we're being cautious as we should be when it comes to spaceflight and we are making sure that our assets are in good shape we're making sure that our people are are, are in good shape and we're we're moving forward um but to um i, I guess that's that's really what I'm, what I'm trying to say i just don't think it matters if if we don't end the program in 2010
3: and I'll pretty much agree. You know, whenever there's any kind of a delay on a mission, one of the things that uh, occasionally you hear about is, well, this will have an impact because it'll cost us more. Like, let's say the shuttle lands out at Edwards. Well, we've got an additional cost to bring, bring the shuttle back to, to KSC. And, and so if they don't close it out by the end of the year, there will be some budgetary impact. But uh, the benefit will be... You know, maybe, let's say they're a few months late on the last flight, that may be a few months where up on the uh, ISS they'll discover something that, hey, we could really use another spare whatchamacallit, can you send us one? And they'll have that uh, last flight to, to carry up whatever asset they need. So it's it's got its upside, it's got its downside, it's going to cost money, I would
1: guess, but yeah, it's, it's all a, good. Yeah, it's just the cost of doing business, Mark.
0: and <laughs> simple.
1: Um, right. But, if you uh, take the
0: time to do something, do it right. Even if that means extending it into 2011 and either extending or shortening the gap between the two programs.
1: Yeah. In a way, I can understand what what uh, what RecShot is saying. Um, that just simply means that there's going to be one less year in the gap. So, in in essence, if it you know sort of bubbles over to if the program sort of bubbles over to 2011, that will be one less year. You know, we're not flying. So, uh, you know, hopefully the gap will only last about seven years, but um, I'm, I'm cautiously optimistic on that number.
0: All right. So once again, thank you, Rackshot653, for that comment. And if you want to send it to us on Twitter, you can. Remember our Twitter name. You can go find us at twitter.com slash talking space. Now, we also have a second comment, which was sent to us at our email address, talkingspaceonline@gmail.com. at gmail.com. You can send it there either as a text message or an MP3 as was sent to us. And here is the message that we received.
1: Hey everyone, this is Russ Dale from Denver, Colorado, USA on Twitter at Flight0001. I had a question for the whole panel, Uh, Gina, Gene, Mark, Sawyer, anybody else. What is it about human spaceflight or spaceflight in general that gets you all excited and gets you riled up to spread the word about everything that's going on with regards to NASA and ESA and the whole shebang? Thanks a lot. Keep up the good work, guys.
0: All right, so you heard them. What gets and keeps you interested in space, Issa, and the whole shebang? Mm-hmm. Let's go around and get everybody's opinion on it.
2: Uh, when I was a kid, um, my mom had an old set of encyclopedias, which was going, you know, back um, when she was a child. And uh, we would talk about Timona. I mean, I was maybe four or five years old and had a lot of questions. And she told me about the astronauts and Apollo. And these encyclopedias had these, you know, pretty bad photos of the solar system. And lo and behold, a couple of spacecrafts called Voyager just happened to be about that period of time where I got pretty interested in this stuff, starting to send um, photos back from the gas giant planets in our solar system, and those up close and amazing photos of Jupiter and Saturn that I saw. Wow, I had never—it was just the most amazing, fascinating, mysterious. Beautiful thing I've ever seen, and from then on I had just been hooked on astronomy. And who are those that dared to leave Earth and head to other worlds? And from a child, it's just never waned, and um, you know it still is what where a lot of my passion lies today.
0: Gene, what do you think? What got you interested in? Keeps you interested in space? I
1: guess the whole fascination started when I was about five years old on a rather rainy. Uh, evening on in 1969 um, I was permitted to stay up beyond my bedtime and uh, watch these little ghostly figures bouncing on on the lunar surface and it hit me right there these people were not on the planet they were on the moon that disc i saw up in the night sky they were up there i mean that's an awesome thought for a five-year-old that that thought alone just kind of sort of filled me with with, with some sort of awe and wonder i guess as much as a five-year-old can can be and from that moment forward i thought you know gee what makes these people so special that they could do that how come i can't and uh uh, well, along the line, I realized why I, I, I can't. I'm just not that good at, at certain, certain things. But uh, what keeps me engaged is, again, as Gina had, had alluded to, we're, we're, we're doing things up there that nobody's ever done before. That's kind of exciting. We're going places. We're seeing things that no human being has ever seen before. That is, you know, and, and that is just completely, totally cool. And it's sort of being a part of something that's sort of bigger than you are. And if I can just make a tiny contribution to that or just be a tiny part of that, I mean, good God, what an honor that, What an honor that is. Mark?
3: Oh, this is easy. Um, you know, what, uh, what interests me? Really, it's a matter of, you know, there's a lot of things that have interested me from childhood up. But the thing that always takes center stage, always takes the top billing, is anything to do with space. It's just that way. I mean, I can appreciate a, a variety of other things. There's a lot of things that I would love to, to do and spend time with. But top billing would be uh, to, to see a launch, to, to see those things, to uh, learn learn about space, to learn about the technology of it all. Even to uh, look at pictures, some of the things we've seen from uh, Fly and Jenny and others in the Space Tweep Society, where where they give you some pictures that you know uh, he, us here in other parts of the country and outside of uh, the NASA world don't get to see. That's that's it. That's the that's the tip of the top for me.
0: All right, and Sawyer, what about you? Yeah, Sawyer, tell us. Yeah, yeah tell, us, tell us, tell us. <laughs> we want to hear. We want to hear. Uh, well, for me, I think it's, it started when I was little with uh, little things, like getting, as birthday gifts, a little make-your-own-model of the solar system and little glow-in-the-dark stars that used to stick in your room and silly little things like that. But it really kicked in for me big time was after the accident that happened to me back in 2006 uh, when it came time for summer in 2007. I needed a summer camp to go to. And someone in my family, either my mother or my grandmother, suggested uh, the Challenger Center that's nearby, the Lower Hudson Valley Challenger Center. And I'm like, yeah, yeah, kind of, maybe. Like, give it a try. I'm like, okay, I will. So I gave it a try. I had the best time. I came back another week, even though I was going on vacation the week after that. Like, I'll go for half a week. Just let me go. And so I went, and I was on the age cutoff. So I was basically, after I hit that age, cut off, like, what can I do now? I want to stay involved with this place. And so I decided to volunteer there, and in February of 2008, I officially became an employee of the Lower Hudson Valley Challenger Center. And just going to somewhere like that, something that gets you thinking about space in general, it, it just made me go, wow, this is out there? There are still shuttles launching? There's still all this amazing stuff happening out there? And just... The thought of that alone got me interested and started with everything on Twitter and it eventually led to this podcast, which I think doing this every week is what keeps me interested for sure. It's that um, there are all these people on Twitter to talk about and we get to actually discuss this with you and everybody listening every week. I believe we have just about everything covered. Now, there are a couple of notes that we're going to throw in here. Number one, as always, there are a couple of ways to contact us. You can contact us on our Twitter account, which is at Talking Space, on our email address, TalkingSpaceOnline at gmail.com, or at our brand new Facebook page. Be sure to become a fan of us. Look up Talking Space on Facebook. Also another note, some members of our very own podcast, that being Gene McCulka and myself, will be guests Tuesday night on Astronomy.fm. So be sure to tune in and listen to us on astronomy.fm. That's the website. That's 9 p.m. on Tuesday, January 19th. And you can listen for us. Join in, in the chat room and get a chance to hear us live and uncut. And you will be shocked to actually hear what gets taken out of these episodes and what you may hear live. Just a warning right now.
1: Yeah, uh, uh, Becca Becker, Becker, uh, sir and... Her, uh, her husband, Jeff Setzer, had invited us to join their show, Astronomy Out and About, which is on in that time frame every Tuesday night. and um, I was just very, very flattered and honored that they would do that for us.
0: I think we all are, and they deserve a very special thank you from us for in- allowing us to come on. And if you want to listen, join us.
1: And just a, a shout-out to uh, Miles O'Brien, who, uh, who the uh, second episode of This Week in Space is available out on uh out on the Space Flight Now website. So uh, if, uh, after you're done uh, listening to us, why don't you step off over there and uh, take a look at that as well? That is a great show. Yeah, isn't it just?
3: It no. really is. you got to watch it. It's, yeah.
0: it's amazing. Thank you again, Miles O'Brien, once again, for coming on if you're listening. and it, It's just an amazing show. So everybody out there, after you finish this, please go and watch it. It's available on the Space Flight Now YouTube channel, youtube.com slash and And with that, I believe we are all finished here. So, Gene McCulka, thank you once again.
1: Thank you, So It's always a pleasure.
0: Look forward to hearing you Tuesday night on Astronomy.fm. Yeah, same here. Uh, Mark Ratterman, thank you as well. I wish you could have joined us on the show on Tuesday.
3: Uh, that's okay. A good time was had by all, and I know y'all will wave the flag for us.
0: wave it proud and the exact same for you Gina Hurley
2: thank you Sawyer always a pleasure to be here
0: alright and thank you everybody out there listening once again for joining us and making this podcast a spectacular success on only the third episode now of our second season and so with that I must say my catchphrase to infinity and beyond oh oh no wait that's Buzz Lightyear never mind let's try that again have a great day night evening or whatever it may be where you are no